echo chambers in life and on Twitch. You need other people so you don't just live in an echo chamber? Honestly, uh, it doesn't guarantee you don't live in an echo chamber. Like, most people gravitate towards people who are like themselves, to a greater or lesser degree. The more similar a person is to you, the more likely you are to like them. You guys ever seen that is it Joel Haver clip where it's two podcasters both talking to each other, complaining about everyone else living in an echo chamber, and they're all saying the exact same words? <laughs> really funny clip. What is an echo chamber? Uh, it's one where the only thoughts or words that come back to your ears are those that you yourself say. As in everyone around you is just saying the exact same thing that you do. It's as if you're in an echo chamber. So a literal echo chamber would be one where the only sounds you hear are your own voice. A figurative one is where that occurs, but it's just other people reflecting back to you exactly what you believe and say. My Twitch chat is an echo chamber. We've talked about this many times, it's in rambles many times, but over time, the more that you share about yourself with an audience, the more that audience will come to reflect to you. Because you're gonna say things that, political, social things, whatever it is, you know, just parts about your society, whether you stand up or sit down to wipe your ass or whatever, there's gonna be some portion of your audience that hears something that you say and go, oh, I'm not, a f I'm, I'm not a fan of this. This, this, this person's awful and they leave. Or you yourself explicitly ban people because they act in ways that um, counteract what you want your chat to be. You, you actively cultivate your chat through bannings, times out and all that stuff. And you inadvertently cultivate your chat uh, through sharing things about yourself. The chat is never gonna be a one-to-one -one, uh, perfect representation of you. Cause there's always new people coming in who haven't heard you say certain things or whatever, but the norm will be what the content creator is, right? Everyone has a range of behaviors that they consider to be acceptable in other people. Not that they necessarily do themselves acceptable. So consider consider the middle to be the person what they themselves do. And then either side of that is the range of what they'll accept. And so presumably every single person in chat right now is a person who is accepting of me and the things that I do and the things that I say. The people who leave my chat are those where I, I fall outside of their um, th this little spectrum of acceptability, right? And over time, the more you learn about me, the the more, uh, or the greater the chance that I'm going to fall outside of your your little spectrum of acceptability there. And the more likely you're going to leave. So you might so it's it's wrong to say my chat is an echo chamber necessarily, but it is correct to say that my chat is going to be more uh, more like me than the general population. I think you rage too much. That's outside my zone of okayness. That's clearly not enough. You know? As in, it's it's the totality of me as opposed to one individual thing that determines whether you consider me to be acceptable or not. You know? My chat feels more and more like Forsen's every day. That's fucking nonsense. As a person who's seen Forsen's chat, <laughs> there's nowhere close. There has been the occasional instance of spamming that has become more acceptable compared to in the past. Like, people spamming thick is acceptable. I think that's an acceptable joke. People spamming Kiflam, they're pushing it. 
They're fucking pushing it. There's going to be some long time out soon, chat. But especially when I'm not trying to read chat, uh, I'm not as concerned about the spam. Does my degree make my words more valuable? Thanks for talking about how life is a risk itself. I'm almost 20 years old. I've been scared to ask people out or make friends because I'm scared of hurting my personal image. You should talk about that stuff this more often with your psych degree. I don't think my psych degree makes me in any way, shape or form more uh, qualified to speak on such things. My psych degree just gave me a, a broad overview of what is studied in psychology. It doesn't make me an expert on any such topics, right? Maybe I have a little bit of a better foundation to speak on it than other people, but I hate to think that people put more weight on my words, uh, my own musings, just my own attempts to figure out life because I have a degree. Um, I don't have a master's in psych, I'm not a practicing psychologist, I'm just a dude who, <laughs> you know. Guessing in early, recognition and success online. What is my opinion of content creators who got famous using easy apps like TikTok? I don't think it's easy to become famous on TikTok. Whenever there's a new social media, those who uh, adopt it early get a large chunk of content uh, on that platform. And as the audience grows, you know, their, 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 their content is thrown to that new audience and they grow with the platform whenever. That's probably the easiest way to get popular on social media. Uh, being there first. But like... There are a lot of people out there who are amazingly talented, amazingly brilliant, hilarious, but we'll never know about them because they'll never get that big break. They'll never get the algorithm to care about them. They'll work tirelessly for years making amazing stuff and we'll just never know. Because that's, again, life. Uh, there are a lot of really deserving people who work really hard who get fucking nothing their entire lives. And thinking about that depresses me. Um, recent example is the Joe Harvard we talked about. Is, is it Harvard or Haver? Either way, uh, I'm sure you've seen him because he's a... He went from like, you know, a, a thousand subscribers with like a, a thousand views a month or something to like a million in less than... Like a, a million subs and tens of millions of views in, in less than a month. And you look at his old stuff and his old stuff is really good. It has its own unique style own unique kind of feel for comedy and stuff. It, he made like what hundreds of videos or something, all with high production quality, original ideas, and and it just it, for, for like two years or something did, did fucking nothing. No one gave a shit. And then suddenly, the algorithm cares about one video, and it's just like people are like oh this this guy actually makes good stuff. And then suddenly he gets the recognition he deserves. But there are a lot of people out there, the Joel Havers of the world, who never get that recognition at all. They go for two years, three years, four years, five years, and they just never, never get it. What you're saying is Forsen's really popular because he capitalized on Twitch early state? I do not know enough about Forsen's history to say whether or not he did something other than simply be here at the beginning. Uh, but I can say with some certainty that Forsen being around during the very early days of Twitch and growing with Hearthstone was uh, you know, very advantageous for him. A lot of the... Biggest content creators today are people who uh, were here in the very beginning. Some of the first partners that Twitch ever made. But again, of course, remember, that's not the only pathway to success. But it is a very advantageous one. Seeing the coming trend before the trend actually occurs. Or happening to be there 
for the trend as it's created. Not that you've seen it necessarily, but you just happen to be there by coincidence. Very advantageous. Basically what I'm saying, guys, fucking learn to be able to see in the future. Don't be lazy. Fucking become a seer. What, you can't see the future? Fucking scrub. How long did it take for you to get recognition? Depends on what you consider recognition to be. Three or four years before I made facts and glitches, which facts and glitches probably made me more than small little dude. Keep in mind though, when I say it took three or four years for me to get recognition, I'm not saying that I deserved recognition before that. With, with everyone, it takes time to kind of get your stride to make content that's, that's worth watching or to, to really know what the hell you're doing. One advantage, again, of being there at the beginning of a platform uh, is usually the standard for what is good is a lot lower. So you can be inexperienced, you can be somewhat shit, and still by comparison to everyone else, you're, you're doing pretty good, you know? The later and later you start on a platform, the better you have to be in your initial heyday, or in, in your initial uh, beginning, or else you won't be able to compete with everyone else who's on the platform, right? Like, the, the reason Joel Havo or whatever stands out is that, like, you go back years in his content and it's still really good. The same kind of production quality he's doing today, kind of stuff. Um, which probably that's not the case, as in like if you go back really far, I'm sure his content is worse. But he just had, he just had such good content for so long with effectively no recognition that it was, you know, uh, annoying. Or it's, it's not good to see. For me though, I look back at my really old content and it's not very good, you know. Because it takes a while to get comfortable streaming and to know what's going on, especially back then when there was less information about it. All content creators have toxic fans get over us. Dream has cultivated such a toxic army of fans on Twitter. There's a tweet that I wrote out. Everyone, when they reach a certain size, gains a certain amount of toxic fans. It's impossible not to have them. Pointing these out is not meaningful. Usually it's done disingenuously or, or uh, to attack a person unjustifiably. What matters is, is the person cultivating these people, spurring them on, cheering them on, or are they actively, to some degree, saying they don't like them or whatever? Like, it, it, the response of the content creator is what matters, not the existence of them. Because they're always going to exist. Like, every single time someone on Twitter calls out a really large content creator, and they start losing, or people realize that the point that person's made is shit or whatever, that person will fire back, Oh, look at this, look at this toxic fan who said this mean thing to me! Oh, why aren't they repudiating this fan and their terrible ways? Oh, look how bad this content creator is because this one of their fans did something bad. It's, it's complete fucking nonsense. Once you reach a certain size, it is impossible to have everyone who watches your content to be a perfectly behaving person. All that matters is, is the content creator actively working to, to foster a community of people who are like that person or trying to spur on that person to act poorly or trying to weaponize these poorly acting people. If your biggest critique of a content creator is, hey, this fan did something shit, therefore you are shit, you're, you're either an idiot or you're, you're not arguing in good faith, you know? Balancing work and life. It's a long one. Uh, hey Matto, long time YouTube viewer, been getting more into Twitch, always good to see you cheerful in life, finding it hard to distance myself from work and meet people. I feel like I've pushed away my friends, and I feel like I'm an antisocial jackass who pushes people away. 
I feel like I'm just too far gone to be able to change as a person. Have you ever had problems being a workaholic? And if you do, do you have any advice on how to just how you can stop looking for distractions? Much love. No, I, I have no advice for that. I all I do is work, and I've never had good friends. I've never had any strong relationships. The friends I had in my younger years, uh, I, I honestly think, reflecting upon it, we weren't particularly compatible, had different interests. I have never been good at making friends, meeting people. I consider myself asocial, in that I'm not social. Anti-social is a little bit stronger. Um, my advice is to do what I'm going to be doing, which is just try, you know? If you consider this to be a problem, research on how to solve it and actively work to change it. First, reflecting upon whether you do really consider this to be a problem. Do you like your job? Do you find satisfaction in it? Do you really want to have stronger relationships and friends? Or, you do, feel, or do you feel obligated to do that? Like as if, because sometimes when I reflect upon not having a lot of friends and not having strong relationships in the past or now, um, I sometimes wonder, do I actually want these things or do I think I should want these things? I, I, I sometimes don't know. And I'm gonna find out, hopefully. Your job might be different. In my case, my job has a time limit where, like if you're living a long career, you, you've got, you can take time off and do these kind of things. But for me, if I don't work now, I might not have a job in five years. Um, I might not be popular five years from now. Taking time off to do the social stuff feels as though like, you know, five years from now, I'm like, oh, why the fuck then I just do a little bit more work then so that I can relax later on, you know? I'm worried about ruining the opportunity I have by seeking other non-work-related things. I don't know if that's a circumstance you find yourself in as well, but uh, it's something that weighs upon me, you know? Speedrun races. Will I ever do a speedrun head-to-head competition live? Speedrun competitions with games this long uh, are really good, because what usually ends up happening is one mistake is made or you get one bit of bad RNG and it falls flat. Either that or the competition is against two people who clearly have differing levels of skill, so the winner is is obvious, you know? It is very rare that a speedrun competition is done where, like, the winner isn't someone who's first, second, or third or something, you know? Yeah, I, I did some races back in the day. Apparently, I did, like, seven races on Speedruns Live. Speedruns Live is different from speedrun.com. We were just talking about it in uh, a, a speedrun creator Discord thing, where... Speedruns Live was like the big thing for speedrunning back in like 2014. Everyone did races. People in the Discord were saying like they've done hundreds of races and shit. And I look at my uh, history, I've done like seven races on Speedruns Live. But like racing in speedrunning was like the thing that everyone did for a long time. And now it's, it seems to not be anywhere near as a, as a main attraction of speedrunning these days, you know? I think a lot of these races, though, were just like four friends just jumping into a, a, a call on... Was Discord even around then? Just jumping into a call and then just like buggerizing around, chatting while they speedrun, you know? Because speedrunning by itself is such a solo thing, like in your actual running. But when you're doing races against other people, like you can actually interact and chat and stuff, you know? The Spiffing Brits video on shorts was incomplete. I saw you were following Piff's shorts advice. What does that mean? Oh, oh, the spiffing Brit? No. God, no. I, I had been releasing clips before spiffing Brit made that. 
and my success has nothing to do with the shorts. In fact, I considered his video to be incomplete because he didn't talk about my circumstances or the circumstances of before YouTube shorts even came out. I, I don't know if he knows. I, I thought I thought I sent him an email. Before YouTube shorts even released globally, like I don't even think it's in Australia yet, YouTube already started to prioritize short clips. Even th They didn't need to have the hashtag shorts on them. 99.9% .9 of the clips on my clips channel aren't in 9x16, so cannot be picked up as shorts. They aren't put in YouTube shorts. The, the clips I did make just recently to go into YouTube shorts didn't do any better. In fact, it did worse in many cases than the 16x9 counterpart. The reason I did what I did is because I noticed these random new channels that popped up and they would get like tens of thousands of subscribers in days and tens of millions of views in days despite having like no other content prior to that. And what they were doing was putting other people's Twitch clips on their YouTube channels. And so the algorithm would go, oh my god, this is a 30 second clip that people are clicking on? Fuck that. Yeah, we just, we'll just throw that to fucking everyone on the platform. And I was like, well, if, if it will work for these people stealing other people's clips, maybe it will work for my clips. And it did. Had nothing to do with Spiff and Brit. He was uh, months late to the game. And he didn't even seem to realize it. It wasn't just shorts that did this. I stole my own clips, yeah. Fuck that dark rapper guy. Either work to achieve your goals or drop them. If you are feeling tired all the time, uh, I highly recommend going to a doctor. Or, again, identifying what in your life is making you tired. Bad diet, bad sleeping pattern, whatever it is, and trying to actively solve it. I dealt with my issue, I just kind of pushed through it for a long time. And then, you know, I had Hashimoto's for who knows how long. And it was just un undiagnosed, I didn't go to a fucking doctor. Like, again, I know it's hard. And no one's perfect at doing it. I'm not perfect at doing it. But if you recognize you want something and you're not actively working towards achieving it, then then you are to some extent to blame. You can't just mope around all day that you aren't achieving what you want to achieve if you're not willing to actually try to achieve it. Life isn't fair. Systems aren't fair. Good people, hardworking people don't always succeed. But the only way to guarantee that you don't succeed is to never try, you know? Been debating with my dad on taking a chance in life. Never know if I don't try. I mean, don't take that advice as you should just fucking do anything in life, right? It just, you know, YOLO, I'm going to invest um, all my money into blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, you know, risk management is important. Jumping off a cliff to see if you can fly is still a bad move. Either actively work to achieve your goal, even in some small way, or just drop it because you're not going to achieve it, because you're act not actively working towards it, you know? Dwelling on things that you aren't ever going to achieve is is not going to be good for you. I know just dropping it is, you know, it's not that easy, right? But I'm just saying. I'm a person who really likes setting goals and actively working to achieve those goals. It's probably the only thing that really gives me satisfaction in life. Whenever I'm down or feeling shit or something, I like to set some sort of a goal and then achieve it. Uh, it usually makes me feel better. So I'm having a shit day, feel bad, can't stream, whatever. I go, I'm going to clean my kitchen. I'm going to rearrange my cupboard. Anything where I think at the end of it, there will be some tangible benefit to my life, even if temporary. 
in terms of my cover, because I'll eventually get dirty again or whatever, you know? Because at least then I can sit at the end of the day and go, I achieved something today, you know? Not everyone's like that. I'm only just talking about my own mentality. If I have a problem and uh, I can't solve it immediately, or I have to wait to solve it, or I can't actively work to fix it, these are the problems that bother me. Knowing I have to wait a week for a phone call to have a conversation, to solve a problem or whatever, I'm just like, oh, just do it now, you know? I don't like putting stuff off. But sometimes you have to. Do I consider myself famous? Do I feel famous? To a degree. Always keep in mind that the bigger you become, the more you're aware of people who are even bigger than you kind of thing, right? It's a, You're always comparing yourself to the people who are above you. Like, I make a tweet and I get a thousand likes. I'm like, ah, oh, that's pretty good. Pe people, people like the stuff that I do. And then I see Dream tweet out like, so I uh, ate toast and he gets a hundred thousand likes. I'm like, ah, oh. all right. <laughs> Perfectly craft, hilarious tweet. That I think is a great joke. And uh, I know Pokimane tweets just something mundane and it's a uh, hundred thousand likes. That is not to say Dream and Pokimane haven't said funny things on Twitter. I just mean that my best comes, comes nowhere close to their worst in terms of recognition, you know? And, and, and keeping that perspective can somewhat keep you humble, I guess, in a way. Maybe humble is the wrong word. I, I don't know. But, like, I know I'm not a nobody necessarily, but I'm, uh, I don't look at myself as being, like, super famous or something. I alternate between saying I'm just a guy and I'm a Z-list celebrity. Because I think both are true. In certain corners of the internet, people know me. But in the overwhelming vast majority of places on this planet, no one would know me or give me give a fuck about me even if they knew who I was you know voice acting errors in GTA 5 it's funny if you listen to the sounds the characters make when they're falling or in danger or hurt or whatever they don't sound like the actual voice actors is this an error or did they did they not think to get the voice actors to do it themselves I mean in some cases it, it, it has the right voice actor like when Michael falls, it sounds like Michael going, ah! But like when you hear Jimmy fall or get burnt or, or something, it doesn't sound like Jimmy. Like Simeon falling over there, that doesn't sound like Simeon going, ugh, ugh, yeah. Yeah, maybe secondary characters don't have the sounds, yeah. It's just weird they didn't bother to get them. Like it must be pretty expensive, you know, getting all the people in to do the voice lines and stuff, it's possible they just forgot about them and they're like, oh shit, we don't have the money to bring everyone back into here to do it again. Like, I'm listening to the third book in Life Reset now, or Life and Reset or whatever it's called, uh, and it's good, but clearly they've done multiple takes of the lines, and for some reason, like every couple of sentences, one sentence will sound really different from the other sentences. I guess because in that recording they made a mistake, and, and set the audio quality wrong, but they couldn't bring everyone back in to do another take, and so those lines are just screwed forever. How I experience music. I have never been super into any particular band or music or whatever. I listen to a huge wide variety of songs. All that matters to me when I listen to a song is that it makes me feel something. That's it. I listen to a song for like 20 seconds, if I don't feel something, it doesn't captivate me, I move on. Lo-fi does not captivate me, I, I listen to it on stream because it's content ID free. And it's just perfectly acceptable music, you know. 
Although, hearing lo-fi on other people's streams or in other people's videos feels weird. And, and it, it's kind of off-putting to me. Because I'm so used to listening to this music in one particular context. Recognizing the song in someone else's content uh, throws me off in regards to enjoying their content. Because I can't stop thinking about the song. <laughs> While I'm doing my own content, it's very easy to tune out the chill hop. But when I listen to someone else's content within, I have a hard time chilling it, uh, turning it off. You know, tuning it out. I do have some Blind Guardian, yeah. There is effectively no bands where I like the majority of their songs. Two exceptions, I think, Sabaton and Disturbed. I think at one point I had every single Disturbed song that they ever released in my playlist when I was a kid, except for one, and even that grew on me. <laughs> and Sabaton, there was a time, there was like a, a month period where all I listened to was Sabaton, like every song that they had. With a, with music in general, I think recognition or, or similarity is important. Like if you listen to a song enough times, it, it, it starts to, you know, drive with you. You know, you recognize it. Sometimes, like I'll hear a song on the radio or in a completely different context, uh, and then I'll stumble across the song myself on Spotify. I'm like, oh, I remember this song. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, I, I probably didn't enjoy it as much the first time around. Climate change. What are my thoughts on climate change? Over a hundred years ago, these scientists were sitting around and they were like, so why is the earth not a ball of ice? And they're like, what do you mean? So, so like, you know, just like, why, why are we not like a ball of ice? There's a lot of those out in the universe. So like, why are we, why are we not that way? And so they did some experiments and like, well, it seems there's like this, this, this balance, right? Where like the, these gases trap in heat and stuff so that we, we don't, we, 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 we don't just get into a ball of ice there. And they're like, okay, yeah, but, but then why aren't we like a ball of fire? Uh, why, why, why isn't like just everything really, really hot? It's like, well, and they do some more tests and like, well, it seems as though there's like a careful balance in the environments where there's a certain amount of gases that trap in heat some of it's expelled into the atmosphere, uh, into the, the wider universe, whatever. Some of it is trapped below ground, these gases and stuff. It's like a perfect balance to keep us the exact right temperature for life. And another scientist is like, but, but aren't we like digging up that stuff and releasing it back into the atmosphere? Isn't, isn't that going to have like long-term ramifications? And everyone looks at themselves and goes, holy shit, it is. It is going to have long-term ramifications. So you've got these people in like the, the 40s, 50s and stuff, uh, you've got like the, these, these lectures and stuff given to, to university students like, scientists warn, future ramifications of our continued industrialization may, may be terrible in the coming decades. We can't be certain what's going to happen, but it might be one day a terrible consequence for the humanity. And, and that's what we're seeing now. And, and they've, been, they've been saying roughly the same thing for, you know, the past hundred years. And, and uh, we're all going to be fucked in the future. The end. The biggest problem with, with the climate change had is the advocates of this idea with, you know, there's idiots who like study something for their entire lives. Pfft, what the fuck did they know? On the other hand, you had the richest, most powerful people of, of, you know, pretty much who had ever lived, people who had made money from fossil fuels and industrialization being like, nah, that's all nonsense. Because, you know, that's going to eat into the bottom line. And so, so when, when, you're, when you're trying to get a message out, competing against literally the most powerful, richest people in the world, you're probably not going to be perfectly successful at doing it. <laughs> but yeah, we're pretty, pretty fucks, unfortunately. Whenever this topic comes up, you can look in chat and you can see these people who have directly been misinformed by 
these people who have had their business interests uh, threatened by uh, what is it, a, a true examination of, of uh, the, the climate we exist in. Uh, and, and there's nothing that you or me, little guys, can do about it except vote for people who actually give a shit about this stuff. You know? Disappointing to, ref uh, to reflect on. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel. It costs you nothing, and I wish you all the best. Thank you.